It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. Quick question. Do you like winning money? Now, if you can't win the $65 million tonight in the Lotto Max, by the way, Kellen, think how well-funded the slaw would be if we won that $65 million. Any national broadcaster. Well, we'll get it on national TV. Oh, I think we could just probably start our own network of the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling if we had $65 million. 24 hours of slaw. We would have 24 hours of slaw. Anyway, on 630Ched.com, go to the contest page. We have the Mock Draft Challenge presented by AMJ Campbell. So if you're one of those armchair GMs or you think you're a draft expert, here's your chance to show us. We are challenging you to accurately predict the top eight draft picks at the draft in Vancouver first round next Friday. And obviously you have to get them in order. This is open now. Uh, it runs until the 20th. You can win $500 cash courtesy of AMJ Campbell, 630Ched.com, to be $500 richer. And if you go to my Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, you can see my mock draft for the top eight. That's a fun little contest. Hopefully uh, we get several entries for that. Also, watch party. Tomorrow, we're going to have a Jurassic Park, Kellen. Right here in Edmonton. The Stingers teaming up with the Expo Center in the city for a free Toronto Raptors watch party in Hall D on Thursday. Going to be free parking at the Expo Center. The doors will open at 6, tip off at 7. And during halftime, they will have a uh, special Stingers three-point shooting contest. So Jurassic Park coming to Edmonton for Game 6 of the NBA Finals. That's pretty cool. We'll be here, Kellen, but that's okay. That's all right. We're going to get a good crowd down there at uh, Hall D at the Expo Center, and, uh, yeah, everybody cheer loud, cheer proud. All right. Tomorrow in this time slot, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, St. Louis at Boston, Kelly Rudy is there. Kelly, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. This is going to be our last for the 2018-19 NHL hockey season. So let's make it a good one, bud. I like it. Let's make it a good one. It's great to have you on all season long. We've had so much to talk about. We've, We've had a lot of fun. And I often throw you something about your career whether it's a a save or a highlight or the music video the people in LA made about you that was pretty fun well today Kelly I'm going to give you your game seven record now you you never played in game seven of the Stanley Cup final but a pretty good game seven goaltender Kelly a lot of people remember the Easter epic which you won but you won three of your four game sevens in your career pretty good man 
Yeah, and you know, the one loss, uh, you know, looking back upon it, you know what, I, did, I know clearly what I did wrong in that uh, it was the same year as the Easter Epic, so 1987. Uh, we won that one in quadruple overtime, 3-2, and then we were down 3-1 to Philadelphia in the next series, and we ended up fighting our way back to, uh, to force a game seven in Philadelphia. And, you know, what I did wrong there, I tried to recapture uh, my feeling in Game 7 uh, two weeks before that instead of, uh, you know, creating a, a brand-new feeling for Game 7 versus Philly. And, you know, I think we were down 3 nothing in the first period, and I let in one really bad goal. The shot from the point was going wide, and I accidentally deflected it in my own net with my the paddle of my goalie stick, and that was a tough battle to try and fight back from but uh, you know I was I was wondering why in the world don't I feel as good as I did two weeks ago in game seven in Washington and that's the wrong attitude you got to just go out there and and create something new I heard uh, Brad Marchand talking today about that in his press conference that every game you know seven is a little bit different they're all unique they you know they never felt like you feel they will and, uh, you know, I'm listening to him, and I'm thinking to myself, man, that's exactly how I think. Every game, you think there's a game plan and that's going to, you know, sort of work this way or something, you know, that you can kind of predict, but you just never can. Okay, so when you lost that, that, that game seven to Philadelphia in 87, and you've told the story before about you got into the mentality of, you know, get get a shutout for five minutes because you've said if you sh- thought about getting a shutout for a game, you just get overwhelmed. Yeah. But you always thought I I can be perfect for five minutes. Did you already have that in '87? Uh, that mindset? Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. And you know what, Reed? Though I can't ever, I can't recall when I started to get into that sort of uh, uh, mindset or the the mentality of hockey because I. I think, and nobody ever told me to do it. It just occurred to me that this is a way in which it's going to make my life a whole lot easier because, like I've told you many times, and I still do that as a broadcaster. I still have simple little goals. So when when I'm going to be broadcasting, uh, whether it's doing Color for the Flames or on Hockey Night in Canada, my simple goal is to start off strong. And it's a really simple goal because it just seems if I have a – say, a first good segment on Hockey Night, or if I get by in the first three, four minutes really clean doing uh, color analysts for the Flames, I just feel better the rest of the night, and it doesn't feel like I'm grinding away trying to find my rhythm again. Kelly Rudy joining us today at Inside Sports. Of course, we have Blues and Bruins Game 7 on 6.30, Chet, tomorrow night. The coverage will start at 6 o'clock. Uh, Jordan Bennington has been great for St. Louis. Uh, obviously, the Boston got to him the other night. I, I want to ask you about that one goal. There was that long shot, and, and it went through him, which, look, it never looks great on a goalie when he gets a chunk of it and it goes in. But it it bounced in front of the net, Kelly. And, and you've been in that situation where you can see the puck yeah. coming. It might be from longer range, but at, at some point you're aware, okay, this is going to hit the ice before it hits me. Do you have to suddenly try to play those any differently, or what would have been going through your mind on a shot like that? Okay, well, uh, a number of different things. First of all, uh, I was asked by one of my producers yesterday when we were flying in from uh, St. Louis to Boston, he said, do you think it was deflected along the way? And I, at uh, first glance, I didn't think so. I, I, I tried to really focus in on it. So today I watched that goal, I don't know, about 
15, 20 times at least. And to me, it doesn't appear from any of the angles that I could find that it hits anything along the way. So the reason why that's a little bit important is because sometimes when there's a deflection from a player, you can not really predict it, but you can, you've been in that situation a number of times so you have an idea what might happen. So the Carlo shot, though, would have made him a little bit more uh, anxious simply because when the puck now started its uh, dive down towards the ice, if you notice, it was on end. And so when it's on end and it's going to hit the ice, as a goalie, you know it can do many different things. It's not as though if, it's a, if it hits flat, it's less likely going to change direction, and that's what that puck did. It might hit flat, and then it might still jump up on you a little bit, but most often it's never going to change direction. So when it hits on edge, that's where his problem uh, started. And secondly, because it was more of a, a regular shot, a hard snapshot from the point, he didn't have time. When he recognized the puck was now diving towards the ice, oftentimes, if you can, you will sort of take, out, take a couple of strides out towards the puck, meet it, as quickly as you can so you take away any change direction. Now, he wasn't able to do that. That was a, a huge goal that went up to nothing. But if you watch that game film, what really struck me was, I'm going to say about a minute or two minutes later, Boston had the puck deep in their zone. And I, I can't recall who it was. I think it might have been Chara. It might have been somebody else. It doesn't matter. And they needed a line change. So they tried the same thing from his, their own end. And they tried to bounce the puck in on uh, Bennington. But... This time, because he had the time to do it and he recognized what was happening, he was able to basically race out and meet the puck the moment it hit the ice so it would take away any change of direction. So that's the mindset of a goaltender. You've got to try and get on those quickly. You sort of know it, but not every situation presents itself so that you're able to do just that. Man, that's a great answer. I, I, I love how you take us inside a goalie's head there on those shots. That, that, that's really cool. This, uh, this series has been... Very physical, uh, you know, a lot of exciting games. I, I've enjoyed that there's been some nastiness because sometimes when it's East-West teams, you don't get that or it really takes longer into a series than, than it has in this one. You know, with Game 7 tomorrow, Kelly, the, the Blues have been so good 5-on-5. Five five. They're so persistent on the forecheck and on keeping pucks alive. And I'm not saying Boston isn't good 5-on-5 five five, because clearly they are, but yeah. their their power play has been deadly. I, I wonder in a seventh game... You know, are the refs going to be a little more reluctant to call a penalty and, and have an impact unless it's obvious? If, if a lot of this game is five-on-five, five, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe that puts a little bit of a check mark in the Blues column. Well, it does, and when you consider how physical the Blues have been. So uh, it's not been an easy series for the Bruins defensemen. Uh, even in the last, uh, I'm going to say, two, three games, uh, Charlie McAvoy, who I think is going to be an absolute star, he's been really getting targeted a lot now. So they knocked out Grizzlick, uh, Chara with the broken jaw and the blocked shot. So he, he did play better, by the way, I thought, last game, Chara. But I just think St. Louis, when they play that physical style, five on five, and they get down low and they forecheck and they cycle the puck, I think they're they have the ability to dominate the games. And I still think Boston's a better team, but the style of play that uh, St. Louis uh, utilizes with the kind of roster they have is, is really hard. Now, the, the one thing in saying that, the, the one thing Bruce Cassidy likes to uh, remind his players of, and they're less of a cycle team, uh, but what they really try and do is if they get an opportunity, 
they really try to capitalize on that rush. And uh, he talks about them, don't turn away a shot, don't turn away an opportunity. And so, and he continues to remind uh, the Bergeron line of that. And I think you saw some, uh, you know, a little bit more success the last two games. I think uh, game five, uh, Pasternak had six shots. I think Marchand had four and a post. And then they uh, they were rewarded last game. Marchand on the power play and Pasternak with those beautiful hands in the third put it away. But, you know, the, two different styles of teams and uh, both very, very effective. But uh, if I were to guess, I would think that St. Louis has the ability to control the play five-on-five five more so. But, you know, I don't know. And uh, that's why we're playing game seven, and that's why uh, we love this uh, sport so much because it's so unpredictable. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Kelly. Uh, it has been a pleasure again to have you on Inside Sports all season long. I look forward to uh, connecting you connecting with you again in the fall to have you on the show every week and enjoy game seven tomorrow and then of course enjoy your summer and your family and your downtime i appreciate it reed talk to you next or next uh, fall i mean (laughs) thanks pal Great stuff from Kelly Rudy. He has been an excellent guest all hockey season long here on Inside Sports. 6 o'clock tomorrow on Ched. We have Game 7 between the Bruins and the Blues. We have the Eskimos game on Friday. Tell you what, uh, more live trivia to win a four-pack of tickets to the Eskimos game, 780-496-0063. If you have never won anything from any radio station in your life, 780-496. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 0063, I will ask a Raptors-related trivia question. Uh, related to the current edition of the Raptors. Okay? 780-496-0063. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, we'll go straight to Tyler on line one. Tyler, you're on with Reed. Are you ready to try to win four tickets to the Eskimos game on Friday? Sure. Have you been following the Raptors? Yes, I have. Were you a fan before this year? Yes and no. Watched them a little bit, but not as closely. All right. Here's the question. You probably remember that last year, the Raptors made a pretty big trade with San Antonio. They got Kawhi Leonard. What other player did the Raptors get in that deal with the Spurs? Danny Green. Absolutely, buddy. That was an easy one, eh? All right. Have you been to an Eskimos game recently? Not in a few years, actually. Okay. Well, I'm excited about this year. I think the D is going to be good. We'll see how the new players on offense do. Stay on the line, all right? Thanks. That is Tyler, 780-496-0063. And our next guest is the career leader in three-point shooting percentage in the NCAA, Edmonton's own Steve Sir, checking in. Steve, good to talk to you again. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Reed. Well, uh, the the three-point shot, you know what, Steve? One of my buddies and I, we have been looking at box scores from the uh, 1989 NBA playoffs. 
Yeah. There have been games where there were fewer than five combined three-pointers made in a game. And now teams generally combine to make between 30 and 40 a game. What an amazing shift, eh? Yeah, a bit of a difference in era, huh? That's uh, that's almost hard to believe if you if you're up on the modern NBA and this is the kind of basketball that you're familiar with, and that would seem almost impossible as far as the statistic goes. But that's yeah, that's that's crazy. Is that's it crazy? I mean, and and the big guys shoot three, right? Like I, I guess Lambeer shot some in the late '80s, but Abdul Jabbar and Shaq and Bill Walton and. And uh, and Robert Parrish, like they weren't shooting threes, but now like Gasol can knock them down. Nowitzki, I mean, it's totally changed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really come around to it's what everybody on the floor does. I mean, I I was watching the uh, game five this morning, and um, Cousins is hitting threes, or hit a three, and Gasol is a threat to hit shots. And I mean, everybody's doing it. It's just you know, everyone on the floor has to have the ability to to hit shots now, and it creates a, a whole a whole lot of space on the floor for everybody. And, I mean, it does add a, a, a huge element of skill to the game that one through five people have to be able to shoot and are able to shoot. So I think it's uh, it's a pretty cool thing to see the uh, the importance of being able to shoot the ball regardless of a position or height or, or anything like that. Last night's game, I know it turned out to be really close. Um I'm going to ask you, I don't pretend to be uh, an expert on the Raptors and how they run their offense, but were th- were there times they looked a little tentative with the ball to you? You know, I, I thought they were. They they did a great job in the fourth of, of getting back into the game and uh, and taking the lead and putting themselves in a position to win it. And then there were a couple possessions that uh, right down the stretch, they, they did look tentative. And... Um, you know, I mean, that's a huge moment. I know it's at home, and you you would always assume that there's a comfort level for players, but uh, I don't know. I, I thought the timeout that was taken was a little bit little bit odd. I, I thought that kind of disrupted a little bit of the flow um, that they had going and all the positive stuff that was that was going on. But you know, I mean, Golden State's done this a lot, and you could see them kind of settle into a nice flow, and it makes it a whole lot easier when when you have guys like Curry and Thompson hitting the shots that they hit. So. Maybe a little bit hesitant. Hopefully when they play in game six, that hesitation's not there and they can close it out. Well, you answered my next question about the timeout. Nick Nurse, and in the NBA, to clarify, you you can't save all your timeouts to the end of the game, right? Like if you have too many left, you lose. And then what, you get two in the final two minutes? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe you're right, yeah. He said, but I mean, as a player, what have you kind of been like? What are you doing, man? Like we're rolling here. I know you, you know would what? say I, that, but you might I, think it. Maybe you think it. In watching the game and, and reading some of the things uh, online, I heard that it, it – I, I got the impression that it came from the court, that uh, Lowry was looking over at the bench and, and and looking for something. And Nurse, being the professional that he is, he took the heat when, when people were questioning whether or not the player did it or, or he did it because he's – He's, I don't. That's what. That's I think what a what a, a good leader and a good coach would do is. Hey, if there was something that went wrong, he took it and said it was me, and and I take the blame for it instead of putting it on somebody else. But uh, it was odd because with the flow and the rhythm that they had going, it seemed strange to disrupt it. But um, you know, in the moment, maybe maybe guys are gassed and they need a quick quick breather to get their head above water and get refocused. And then in retrospect, you maybe think maybe we shouldn't have done it. So uh, 
I don't know. We'll see. I, it, it was it was a little odd, and I know it's taken a lot of heat in the media, but it, it's easy to pick on things like that when the result doesn't go your way. All right, quickly before I let you go, are you going to be at Edmonton's Jurassic Park on Thursday at the Expo Center? I would definitely like to. We actually just landed in Calgary uh, 15 minutes ago. Oh, we got back from traveling. our okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. We uh, we it's, I'm happy to be on. Uh, we just got back from a two week trip for 3x3 in China, Germany, and Cyprus. So we just got home, and uh, we'll definitely uh, I'll definitely come check out uh, come check out the game at the Expo Center on Thursday night. All right, Steve. Thanks for fitting me in, man. All the best. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me on, Reed. Take- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Here, buddy. Caitlin Osmond, champion figure skater, retiring at the age of 23. She's up next. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Ryan King, long snapper for the Edmonton Eskimos with a brand new feature here on 630 Chad. You will hear it every Tuesday. It is called King's Court. Kings Court. I'm your host, Ryan King. We're at Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium with our very first guest for a training camp special, Natea J. Natea J drafted as a hometown kid to Toronto before coming to the City of Champions to become a key part of the puzzle, not only on offense, but as a special team demons himself. Thanks for coming on the show, Tay. Let's start with training camp. How goes the struggle? Ooh, struggle is a great word to describe training camp because that's what it is, man. Um, honestly, we got through our last day today and I couldn't feel any better <laughs> it's been a tough grind but you know it is what training camp is you got to build out that calluses you know for the season work out the kinks get the timing right with the obviously a lot of new guys and a new quarterback um, but you know overall I think we had a great camp this year and uh, I'm looking forward to see us this year we're gonna be flying and uh, being a veteran now as you are uh, how's the body feel coming into seventh training camp uh, you know what I tell people this and they don't believe me but I feel better now than I did when I first came into the league because now I kind of understand what it's going to be and I understand like how I need to take care of my body I understand my body a lot better than I did back then so you know, honestly like I feel better these days it's still a struggle like you said but I feel better these days than I did when I was younger after tough two two days which we've had a whole bunch during training camp uh, Kyle our performance coach is keeping it pretty clean in the in the in the, the meal hall mm-hmm. when you get home mm-hmm. no one's looking it's just mm-hmm. you in your closet what treats are you putting into you at night? <laughs> I do love my treats, but I wait till after camp because, you know, we don't got a lot of time. And, you know, what you're putting into your body is, is extremely vital. And recovery is a big part of what we do. So I wait till after camp. And I'm a big gummy bears guy. I love gummy bears. So anytime we go on the road, I get a big bag. You know, Dr. 
Dr. Uh, Dr. Robinson always has some in the um, in the trainers room for after games. I'm always in there after games looking for treats. But during camp, you know, I keep it uh, water, coconut water especially, and try to recover. Nothing, nothing crazy during during camp. All right, that's the professional Tay answer. <laughs> Let's switch to rookie night real quick then. Oh. Talking about you know putting good things in you. How many how many drinks did you at least give yourself rookie night? Do this year or when I did when I was, this year? Okay, this year honestly I had none. I had none. You know, like you said, I'm a vet now, so I know recovery is, is a big part of what we do. So this year, zero. Uh, getting older, so you know, gotta really take care of the body to, to survive out here. Hopefully, I sometime follow that uh, <laughs> veteran uh, news from from Nate because I did not uh, have zero drinks on Ricky night. And obviously, a hometown kid, you are huge uh, Toronto Raptors supporter. Uh, it's been all over the locker room. This year is a little different. Training camp rules with Coach Moss. We've had no phones allowed in meetings, and these receivers are up all night uh, doing doing film study and, and working that stuff. So how many times? And this is confidential on the Kings court, okay? How many times did you have to break that rule and bring your phone into meetings to watch Toronto? Okay, so you said uh, Coach Moss won't be listening to this. He will not hear this. Uh, confidential. I promise. Okay, so uh, I have my wife. You know, so he gives us breaks. So I time it out where I tell my wife, okay, we're gonna have a break at this time. So please tell me all the updates up to this point. I won't respond, but keep texting me what's happening in the game. So as soon as we have a break, I will run downstairs. You no, know, guys are supposed to go to the bathroom or stuff, but I will run to my locker and check all the updates. And uh, she does a pretty good job. She's like very attentive. So she does a pretty good job of keeping me posted and you know, leave my phone in the locker and come back up. It's a pretty good answer. I might have caught you once, but we're just, we'll keep that off record, uh, you know, but that's all right. Okay, I got a couple fun facts for us to talk about. So you've had two touchdowns in the CFL, one in Toronto, one in Edmonton. The one in Edmonton was the Mike Riley, oh. and the one in Toronto was the Trevor Harris. Who threw you a better touchdown ball? Uh, tough one because no, Trevor was my very first one, right? So obviously I'm super jacked. I was super excited, and Mike, you know, that was like a, one of the highlights you know of my career. So it's a pretty tough one. It's a toss up. I can't, I really can't tell you one was better than the other. But you got to go your first, your first love, right? The first one, and you know it's cool to have Trevor back here, right? now and uh, I told him we're going to recreate that a bunch more times so I think I got to go with the first one because you can't replicate the first one. Fair enough that's a good answer and he's now our quarterback so that's yeah. uh, the right answer. <laughs> I hope if you want to get any more love yeah, yeah, yeah. he's going to he'll listen <laughs> to this um, so I, I'm doing some fact checks here and I realized that you are tied for 34 special teams tackles right now with the long snapper Ryan King which is me so I figured that it'd be a good idea to us to have a little wager uh, going into season now. Let's do it. Um, potentially, I was thinking a crisp $20 bill and a donut of choice for whoever gets the next special teams tackle. Uh, next what do you think about that? Man, we got to up that, man. Let's, let's put a lot more on the line. Let's 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 up that. What do you want to up it to? Let's, um, let's go a nice steak dinner on the road on, on uh, either person. Okay, and how many special teams are you on right now? I'm on zero right now. All right, I like it. Let's do that. All right, steak dinner it is. I was trying to give the kid a bone uh, by only taking 20 from him. But, uh, all right, I like that. Steak dinner on the road. Uh, appreciate you guys all tuning in to King's Court. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Natea Jay, it's, uh, it's an honor for uh, you to be on the show and to get the first one done. I appreciate you having me as the first guy, man. Uh, let's do this a bunch more times. That'll be fun. Ryan King and King's Court every 
Tuesday here on 6.30. Chad, champion figure skater Caitlin Osmond when we get back. And right now, caller number three passes to golf at the ranch, 780-496-0063. She has three Olympic medals in figure skating. She has two more from the World Championship. She won gold at Worlds last year. She trained right here in Edmonton. She has recently announced her retirement from competitive skating, and uh, she's now in the Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame. Welcome back to Inside Sports, Caitlin Osmond. Caitlin, how are you doing? Good, things. It's been my, great being back here. It's, it's good to have you back. My, my former uh, co-host for an episode of Inside Sports back in December. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for doing that, and thank you for coming back in. You're sporting the uh, NBA Finals 2019 hat with yeah, the I Raptors am. logo, of course. Yes, I am. I've jumped on the bandwagon this year, and apparently it was a good year to jump on it. <laughs> so now when did you jump on the bandwagon? Because a lot of people jumped on... After Kawhi made that shot against the Sixers, were you on before that? I joined right before they made playoffs. So, <laughs> and what prompted you to join? I moved to Brantford, so I jumped on all of the Toronto sport team train. Oh, please tell me that doesn't include the Maple Leafs. Uh, not fully. <laughs> if the Oilers aren't playing, then yes. Okay. All right. But no, Oilers will always beat that one. Okay. Well, everybody's ha- happy to hear that for sure. Yep. What What have you enjoyed the most, I guess, besides the winning, just about following the Raptors and, and getting more immersed in basketball? It's been really fun. And knowing that the Raptors are the only Canadian basketball team, um, you can see how much the country can get pulled together on it. And with the excitement, not only me has jumped on the bandwagon. So it's really fun to watch how that's transferred across Canada and how many Jurassic Parks there is and all that stuff. Have you have you gone to Jurassic Park? No, anything? I have not. Have you gone been able to go to a game? <laughs> no. Not yet. But I attempt to watch as many as I can on my TV. Okay. Uh, no, so last we don't night, have cable, so that's a little difficult. What? You don't have cable? No. <laughs> I have an Apple TV with a lot of apps on it and my parents' cable boxes. Okay. <laughs> well, last night you couldn't watch the entire game because you were uh, getting inducted into the City of Edmonton's Hall of Fame. Yeah. How cool was that? It was pretty cool. Um, sitting down and listening to the other inductees and their uh, their videos that were about them and what got them inducted into the Hall of Fame, I looked at my sister and we're like, where's the back door? I don't belong here. I just win medals. Um, so that was pretty uh, humbling for me to be there, uh, but definitely really exciting. You know, you're not the first person to tell me that, that when they've gone to a ceremony like this or been inducted into Edmonton Hall of Fame, Alberta, whatever, that they become more interested in everybody else's story because mm-hmm. they're living their own stories and their own careers and experiencing all the ups and downs for their entire lives. And then to see, to hear it from another perspective or what other people have accomplished, that's, I, I've heard that before, that that's the most rewarding part of these nights. It is very exciting. Uh, not only did I feel it there, but back in January, I believe it was, I got inducted into the Order of Newfoundland and I felt the exact same there. I looked back at my sister and I was like, what am I doing here? (laughs) I don't belong here. Uh, So many amazing volunteers uh, and programs that people have built. And I'm just saying I spent seven hours at a rink a day. I don't know. (laughs) 
Well, your commitment level was pretty high, I think, and your accomplishment level was pretty high. I guess high as so, well. looking back, but it's definitely not the same uh, community spirit, I guess. Anything, any, anybody, anything about anybody else that really stuck with you from last night? I mean, it's obviously still fresh in your head, so. It is pretty fresh, and last night it was just fun to, well, being on the stage with the other sport inductees, hearing their stories uh, of community involvement. Uh, that's what I'm aiming to start doing now that I'm retired from competitive skating is to start teaching more and more seminars, bring communities together that way. Um, but that was one of the biggest things that I noticed and the innovation that so many people have. Now, when you, you know, if, if that's where life takes you now, or obviously you're in a situation now where you will, will talk to people, mm-hmm. you know, fans will want to talk to you, younger skaters will want to talk to you, sometimes for a very short period of time. What message do you try to deliver to people in, I mean, you can't tell your whole story and go through every experience <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a half hour speech or, or a 90 second conversation in line for a coffee, right? So when you have those moments, what do you try to get across to people or what do you try to say? Mostly that I'm just a human. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin Osmond, just a human. Yeah. Um, there's sometimes people come up and they'll be shaking or nervous and I'm just like... <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing inspirational to tell you. <laughs> um, every now and then I hear some great stories and I love to be able to input as much as I can into uh, a person's life. I've heard from people who are nervous about a music test or people that are nervous about an upcoming event. And I just keep reminding them that it, you're doing it for a reason. Uh, you wouldn't be going to a test. You wouldn't be going to this event if there wasn't a reason behind it. So to always remind, remember that reason and you'll feel more comfortable in that situation. And that's one of the biggest things that I like to tell people. I think that's a great point. And I, I know from talking to a lot of athletes, sometimes they have to tell themselves, I, I earned this. Yeah. Like I, I might be nervous whether I'm an Olympic skater or I, uh, I'm a baseball pitcher in a big game or I'm a hockey player. Like I've earned it. I'm, I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have maybe selected me to be in this situation, but that's because I, I put myself in that situation to, to be in this spot. I felt that way, uh, especially when I won my gold medal at Worlds. I look back at it now and I'm just like, I don't know why I was to- why I was given the points. I don't know why I won. And I've talked to a couple other athletes and they all felt the same thing after, after a big win. It's just, I did my job that day, so why all of a sudden was I better than everyone else kind of thing. Um, but I don't, even though I won, I still don't think I was the better skater that day. I don't know. But you were though. I was, right? I, mean, I guess. I, I like looking back I now, I was. I mean, I, like I know other people messed up, but you didn't. You had the cleanest routine. So yeah. why shouldn't, why shouldn't you win? It's true, but just a human brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it did. <laughs> Caitlin Osmond joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, She's talking about being inducted into Edmonton's uh, Hall of Fame last night, obviously in the the sports category. And, uh, you know, we've had her on before. You've had an incredible career. And you're still very young at uh, at 23 years of age. And, okay, so I'm trying to think of the timeline here because we had you on in December. Mm -hmm. And at that point you had decided to take the whole year off, right? Yes. And and I I know we, we talked last summer too because then you were sort of leaning towards that or maybe you'd already announced it and then this turned into uh i guess about a month ago you actually said i am retiring from competitive skating so tell me about 
That's a pretty, that sounds like a pretty final decision, even though you're still relatively young. And I suppose you could change your mind, but tell me about getting to that point where you were saying, I am stepping away from competitive skating. It was, it was definitely a long time for me to make that decision, but ultimately I think I actually made it in my editing position at Worlds in 2018. Um, I felt like that was the right moment to step away. I felt like the final skate. I don't know how that really? makes sense. Um, looking back on the Black Swan movie and watching her just say, like, I was perfect, um, I kind of felt that. <laughs> Even though it wasn't the perfect program, but I felt like when I hit that end position, it felt like the perfect time to finish skating. I don't know. So are you... Okay, well, let me put it this way, because uh, talking from other athletes who have retired, they've uh, a lot of them have told me they still love their sports. Oh, I do. But they just couldn't do it anymore, like the, the grind. Like, were you... Were you tired? I was of figure exhausted. Skating? Um, but not just of, like just of the whole life. Like, was it? A, were you like, okay, I've done this since I was a little kid. It's enough. I don't know. It's looking back. I don't regret anything that I ever did. I don't regret training numerous hours a day. I don't regret leaving Newfoundland to be able to uh, get a better coaching experience. Um, I don't. I don't, there's nothing that I would ever have changed about my skating career. Maybe a couple injuries I would have changed. Sure. Um, but there's nothing that I would have not done. And while I was doing it, it felt fantastic. I felt myself getting stronger. I felt myself getting prepared. I felt the reward of each competition that I went to. Uh, I felt myself getting mentally stronger from the, the sports psychology training that I was doing. But when I thought back to getting ready for another quadrennial, another year of skating, I, I couldn't put myself in those shoes anymore. Right. So I took the year off to see if that would change. And I actually jumped on the figure skating fan side and I started watching more competitions than I ever did. I started being a supporter. I went to nationals to watch it and have fun um, and volunteer there. I waited all the way up until... I watched Worlds, mm -hmm. and that was a full year outside of my competition, and I still couldn't imagine putting myself in those shoes of really? getting back into training. That's amazing. Yeah. So you feel pretty comfortable then? I do feel comfortable. It's definitely a terrifying decision. It definitely didn't get easier waiting the full year, but... Um, well, because that's how, whether it's fair or not, that's how everybody else in the world defines you, right? Yes. They hear Caitlin Osmond, and they hear figure skater. Yes. They're not going to say Raptors fan or Oilers fan or... I don't, I don't know. know. I have I, heard those sometimes. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know what your interests are, and I've known you now for, for several years, right? I don't know what my interests are. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Are you, are you at the, like I said, you're still relatively young. Are you at the stage where you got to find out more about yourself and expose, expose yourself, even though you've had this incredible skating career, uh -huh. like, do you feel like maybe you've missed out on parts of life or there's more to discover about life? I think that's one nice thing about still being 23 is that I've had this full amazing career and I can move on from it knowing that I still have so much time to figure out who I really am. Um, so 
I don't feel like I missed out that way because 23 is still relatively young to go back to school for. <laughs> right. Are you going to go to school? Hopefully. All right. I always thought that the minute I retired from skating, I'd jump into the school circuit right away. I knew I already wanted to get into broadcasting. That's why I, was yeah. I keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, well, you're welcome here anytime. Um, so it's just kind of, I thought that was immediately what I was going to do. But I learned not so easily that real life is a lot slower than the competitive world of figure skating <laughs> and like in skating if we put our mind to something if we know that we want to skate a clean long program by our next competition we'll put our mind to it and we'll do our best to get to there and if you feel that uh that like improvement on a daily basis but real world doesn't work that way <laughs> uh sometimes even just reaching out to someone you have to wait two weeks to hear back from yeah. them me included i'm horrible at answering messages i try <laughs> Well, you're pretty good with me. Sometimes. But <laughs> when, I, I when you have my right phone number. Sports is very black and white. Yes. You win or you lose. You finish fifth, fourth, first, yep. whatever. It, the day-to-day -day world is often not that black and white. Exactly. In a competitive world, we had a competition every single month uh, for the most part of the year. So you knew that the minute of each competition, you had that instant gratification of that instant reward or that instant disappointment. You always had that instant reaction. And yeah, real life doesn't have that. <laughs> wow. Well, you're going to be learning that. Uh, would you ever like to coach figure skating? So that's one of the things that I started doing um, when I realized the world is a lot slower. I started opening up a few more doors for myself, not jumping into school school, school right away, um, but looking into maybe a couple classes coming January. But the fall doesn't work very well for school for me because I'm going back out on tour. Um, but I am coaching part-time right now, uh, having fun with that. I do enjoy it. I would never be able to be a main coach. That would be completely insane in my opinion. Okay. It's way too much work. <laughs> I'm not well, ready for that, that commitment now, though, of work. Things are going to change as you learn more. Right? It's true, but I'm not committing to that much work anytime soon. I just retired. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so I'm very much enjoying that, and I'm really enjoying teaching seminars. So a club will invite me in. I get to go to England for the first time this year in August to go teach for five days there. So it's going to be exciting. Well, that's uh, I mean that's that's amazing. It's uh, I really enjoy hearing your story and and your focus just on on life and and where you want to go. I mean, it's, it's very <laughs> it's very encouraging. Uh, and it's very cool. And like you said, you're, you're still touring, yes. right? So people can still see you skate. Yes, I'll so be on the Rock be, the Ring tour in the fall. What do they call it? The uh, Legends on Ice? Legends on Blades? What do they call it again? Too many things. Uh, I'll be on Rock the Rink, which is the next Rock one. Rock the Rink. Well, that sounds uh, cool. That one's in the fall for two months. Uh, we don't come to Edmonton, but we go to Red Deer in Calgary. So we're okay. close. Um, and then Stars on Ice in the spring. Hopefully I'll be back on that. Other than that, my winter usually gets pretty busy once more shows start popping up. Okay. Yeah. Well, Kaylin, all the best. I, I know this is obviously not the last time we're, we're going to talk, but you're <laughs> welcome not. on the show anytime. <laughs> Thanks for stopping in, and congratulations on getting into the Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame. Thank you. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.